We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Well, your kids are headed back to school, and you need to be aware of something that they're going to be confronted with when they get to school. The LGBTQIA ampersand hyphen tilde equal sign never stops in its effort to indoctrinate your kids. Told you yesterday about some uh, parents who have been in some of the Olentangy schools getting ready for their opening. I believe it's Thursday of this week, and uh, teachers have adorned their classroom walls with rainbow flags and transgender flags, heaven forbid the American flag, unless they've desecrated it with one of those flags. And so you need to be on guard. You need to be on guard against the books in the libraries. You need to be on guard about the teachers having uh, a personal agenda rather than following through on uh, solid teaching of subjects that they're qualified to teach rather than social agendas that they'd prefer to push. And one of the things you need to be aware of, and I thank uh, my friends at protectohiochildren.org, is something called the Ohio Healthy Youth Environments Survey. Now, I think we all want our children to be uh, healthy mentally. And I'm not saying that the entire survey is uh, inappropriate, but there are certainly some questions on the survey that are inappropriate. And I would also say they are leading and they are meant to draw children into places that if kids are going to go there, they should be led there and the conversation should be navigated by their parents, not by teachers. Remember what I said, teachers the rainbow flags and the transgender flags and all that. Do you trust them to have those conversations with your kids, to give the teacher's view of reality and how kids should respond? Do you trust the teachers to be the people who are shaping your children's opinions on those matters? I certainly do not. That's why my kids are not in a public school and have not been in a public school for years and years and years, and will never darken the door ever again of a public junior high or high school. So, Protect Ohio Children has made available uh, a letter that you can send to your superintendent to opt your kids out of all this kind of stuff, which is very, very helpful. You don't even have to think it up. You don't have to worry about, am I sounding too snarky? Am I sounding too accusatory in this letter? No, you just go there, they've done it for you, sign it, send it, boom, done. Now, if they don't pay attention to it, and if your child comes home and tells you, you know, I had to take this survey, and you're thinking, I opted out of that. Well, that's when you get on the phone, or better yet, knock on the door and uh, ask for and demand 
an explanation for that. But here is what's in the Ohio Healthy Youth Environments Survey. First question, age. Okay, we're good so far. By the way, the survey runs in excess of 100 questions. And we only have to get to question two before we have Houston a problem. What is your sex? Male, female, transgender, or gender non-conforming? Yeah. Now you notice uh, putting those on said survey allows for the possibility that a child will check one of those two boxes. Neither of those two boxes has any place on the survey because transgender is not a sex. Gender nonconforming is not a sex. Male and female are the only two sexes. Now, I'm actually shocked they asked, what is your sex? I'm shocked they didn't ask, what is your gender? Because if they asked, what is your gender, they could make an argument that transgender and gender nonconforming have a place as answers. It would still be indoctrination. It would still be inappropriate. I would still protest against it because then I would have a problem with the question itself. But to ask the question, what is your sex, and then put down transgender, has any doctor ever delivered a child and said, congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, you have a transgender. Congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Campbell, you have a gender nonconforming. No. No doctor has ever said that, nor will they ever say that. Well, I wouldn't put it past them, given some of the nonsense that comes out of Boston Children's Hospital, Nationwide Children's Hospital, and Cincinnati Children's Hospital. But no, you are a boy or a girl. You are male or female. And note, if you really want to be powerful in conversations about this, drop the term, and I have to discipline myself to do this, drop the term biological boy and biological girl, because if you are a boy, you are by the very definition of boy, a biological boy. There is no other kind of boy than a biological boy or a biological girl. You don't need the term biological. Biological is opening the door to the stuff that has to be eradicated from our conversation, this transgender and gender nonconforming nonsense. That's just question two. Then we get down to question eight. It is listed as an optional question. Which of the following best describes you? Heterosexual, straight, gay or lesbian, bisexual, not sure. This survey is for kids into age groups that this kind of question is completely inappropriate. It also asks later in the survey, have you ever been forced to do sexual things you did not want to do? During the past 12 months, how many times did someone you were dating or going out with force you to do sexual things that you did not want to do? On a survey, really? Delving into these kinds of things? Violating the privacy of these kids? Question 36. Talks about sexual abuse. Question 57. I find the questions, uh, Protect Ohio Children didn't, but I find the questions about marijuana use to be inappropriate because just very just raising the very possibility that children in junior high and high school are using marijuana isn't there some element of encouragement there or some element of curiosity there they later ask in question 92 about specific sexual behaviors 
that the kids have engaged in. I do not think these questions are appropriate for school personnel. These are private matters that I don't think the school has any business having answers to because how do you know what they're going to do with that information, how they're going to use that information, what they're going to do with it? Uh, To me, that's all very, 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 very inappropriate. So keep your tentacles up. Be aware. We are in an era where we cannot trust what we perceive to be the motivation of those who teach our kids in public schools. We, you and I, grew up in an era where our parents had a deep and abiding trust in the teachers in our junior highs and high schools because they would have no interest in anything except educating us to be the best version of ourselves that we could be, to teach us how to think, not what to think. And so we graduated and we had children and we moved into that same kind of mindset. But meanwhile, in the colleges and universities of America, a complete departure from that mindset was taking root and multiplying. And we now see, and I had a conversation with a teacher in Dublin last year who's around 50 or 55. She said, you can have a conversation in a teacher's lounge about a matter concerning these kinds of social initiatives and pretty much draw a dividing line between the teachers who are ages 35 and under and 35 and older. The 35 and older will trend far more conservative than the ones 35 and under who will be all about getting close to the kids on the kinds of questions that are asked in this survey. And so the danger is out there. You cannot assume that the teachers will have your kids' best interests in heart, that they will observe the boundaries that you certainly had observed when you were in school, that you certainly hope the teachers would observe now. They don't even want to tell you if your kids are going to school and acting opposite of what their sex is They feel like that's none of your business, that that's a secret they need to keep from you. So I got to admit, when I read the Theodore Decker column this morning in the dispatch, the ridiculous waste of ink and paper where he blames Jim Jordan for the deranged individual who tried to storm his way into the FBI field office in Cincinnati and says that Jordan, in a Wednesday afternoon tweet, precipitated that man's unhinged active uh, shooter mentality, and then that led to his death. He blames Jim Jordan for that. I thought to myself, uh, our city will be a lot better off when ideas like this have no platform. And then I read Twitter, and I saw a tweet from someone I would say I know of, but I don't know personally. I've mentioned his name on the show before. I uh, don't know if I'll be mentioning it much anymore because Daryl Rowland, the 31-year uh, Columbus Dispatch uh, news writer and uh, political uh, reporter, uh, says that uh, he was uh, downsized on last Friday and his career at the Dispatch ended after 31 years. Now, I'm never happy when anyone loses their job. I've been in that situation in uh, 
radio where uh, a station's format flipped and I was out of a job. And it's stark and searing. It's an opportunity for a rebirth and for learning. But I'm not exulting in the uh, end of Daryl Rowland's career. But in his uh, tweet thread, he said something that I found intriguing. And I found this to be particularly instructional regarding how things are positioned on the left, and make no mistake, Theodore Decker, Daryl Rowland, and the Columbus Dispatch is decidedly on the left, how things are positioned on the left relative to how things actually are, true things. A friend of mine and I were talking yesterday, and he said that, you know, my father used to say that a half a truth is a lie. And I said, your father was right. A half a truth is a lie. And in this tweet thread from Daryl Rowland, he states half a truth. He said, as the oldest dispatch staffer, I want to say thank you to all of you who read my stuff, even if it made you angry, and wrote or tweeted notes of encouragement. Please support good journalists and journalism any way you can, if only there were any here in this city. And then he adds, still believe the truth will set you free. Still believe the truth will set you free. Let's focus on that. The truth will set you free. You hear it quoted a lot. You see it stated right there in Daryl Rowland's farewell tweet. It is often said, the truth will set you free. Where does that come from? It comes directly from the mouth of Jesus Christ. During his three-year ministry on earth, he is quoted in John chapter 8. And a part of his quote, the last half of his quote, is... The truth will set you free. And people love that. They love that quote. The truth will set you free. Because we're in an era now where people automatically believe they own the truth. The Democrats believe they own the truth. That a baby in a womb is not a baby. It's not a life. It doesn't begin at conception. Life doesn't. It begins whenever we say it does. And that's our truth. And so we should be able to abort that baby, kill that baby whenever we want to. I was born a boy, was born a girl, don't feel like a boy, don't feel like a girl. You heard the uh, Boston Children's Hospital crazy person yesterday say, uh, sometimes they like to wear their siblings' clothes. Sometimes they like to play with uh, other toys, boys with dolls, girls with trucks. So they have transgender tendencies. That is, according to her, Truth, and she feels very set free by that. But it is not in fact truth, because it is not God's truth, which is the only truth. He is the arbiter of truth, the establisher of truth, the giver of truth and wisdom. So what did Jesus say if he said the truth will set you free? I mean, you're not arguing with Jesus, are you, Bruce? No, I am not. I'm not arguing with Jesus. The truth will set you free. But what else did he say leading up to that? He was talking to, the Bible tells us, Jews who had believed him. Ah, believers, followers, disciples, people who submitted to his authority. That's who he was talking to. And here's what he said. If, right up front, he establishes a condition. He didn't say, Hey, guys, appreciate you believing in me, appreciate you following me, appreciate you hanging on my every word, trying to put it into practice. 
The truth will set you free. That's not what he said. He had their attention because they prized and treasured his wisdom. And the first word he said was, if. If. Which would have made me pay attention. If what? If what, Lord? Tell me. Tell me. If, he said, you hold to my teaching. Oh. In other words, if I do what you tell me to do, prioritize what you tell me to prioritize, view as true what you say is true, view as evil what you say is evil, if I hold to your teaching, then what? Then what? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. In other words, here's what you do if you want to be authentic disciples of mine. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, then what? Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, where does the truth come from? It comes from holding to his teaching, really being his disciple. So it is not an all-inclusive statement. The truth will set you free. Great. Great. I think... If I'm a wacko leftist, I think life doesn't begin at conception. That's my truth, and it sets me free. Sorry. Sorry. Not God's truth. You're not holding to his teaching. You're not really his disciple. What you presume to be truth, what you identify as truth, what you say is truth to you, not going to set you free. going to get you in a lot of trouble. And here's the misnomer about people who are sticklers for holding to Jesus's actual, complete, comprehensive, authentic words. We don't do it because we enjoy wagging our finger at other people's error and we enjoy scolding them. We do it because we ourselves have made the mistake of misappropriating his wisdom, misapplying his wisdom, doing it wrong and experiencing the pain and the consequences of doing it wrong and lacking the peace that comes from doing it right. And so we point out the error not to take a victory lap at someone's el- someone else's expense. We do it so that others can accompany us in the victory lap that we have when we are devoted to believing in him, holding to his teaching, authentically investing in being his disciples. Because then that gives us communion, relationship with him, so that we can understand his truth and his call on our life. It is the most important work we can ever do. And we do it to share it with others.